that entire day, even though all I could think about was killing myself, um, there was a little tiny voice in the back of my head that said, you won't feel this way forever. My mother loved Luna moths. Uh, she talked about them all the time to me, and I had never seen one before. And that morning, there was a big Luna moth on the door uh, as I was leaving to go to this wedding. I, I broke down when I saw it. I'm like, that's, I know that that's my mom saying don't do it. I know very well what it feels like to just want to end the pain and sadness you're experiencing because it feels like it's already gone on forever that it will be a permanent part of your existence. I got through that part of my life many years ago now and it feels like a much faded memory. Hearing the story of what brought Nora to her edge made me again realize how grateful I am that I wasn't successful in leaving this world. I'm so happy that she wasn't either. And there are many others that I've met and talk to, and those that I'll never meet that I feel the same way about. Grateful that they're still with us. I wonder what their stories are. I wonder what it took for them to come through it. I feel like the answer may be similar for each person. And even though I know the solution is simple, it's never easy. Here's Nora's story, what brought her to this place, and also how she got out of it. Yeah, my story, it's ongoing. I'm a work in progress, I guess you could say. My story, I suffer from depression. Uh, it comes in waves. Um, sometimes it's non-existent and other times it is absolutely crippling. I first started experiencing it when I was uh, in high school. Um, my mother was diagnosed with terminal ovarian cancer and uh, that her death, basically, um, at that point in my life, I didn't know how to deal with the emotions that I was feeling. Um, I was very closed off to it. I never addressed anything, really. Um, how old were you when she died? Uh, I had just turned 17. Um, so it was, uh, she had been, actually she got diagnosed with cancer when I was in sixth grade. I never knew until about two weeks before she died that she was given a terminal diagnosis back then. Um, they only gave her two to three years max, and she lived for six. So, but I had no idea. She never, she told my father, but she never told my brother and I. So, um, so your mom was living with cancer for how many years? Six years. Mm -hmm. it, um, when she was first diagnosed, she had a complete hysterectomy and she went into remission. And then um, when I was in seventh grade, it came back as a fluid in her abdomen. It never attached itself to anything until my junior year, uh, the end of my junior year of high school. Um, and then it just, it attached itself to everything. So within a matter of uh, basically four months, she went from being quote-unquote healthy, you know, getting around on her own and, and like nothing was wrong to home on hospice and, and dead. But yeah, she was, she was in remission for, uh, I want to say about a year, maybe less than that, um, when it was discovered in that fluid in her abdomen. And no matter how many times they drained it, it would, it just, it would keep coming back. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't until my junior year that she noticed her legs were swelling um, and that was her 
you know, she knew. She's like, all right, like something, something's definitely happening. And uh, that was blood clots in her legs. Um, and then they, when she went in for a CAT scan, they discovered it had attached itself to her gallbladder, her kidneys, uh, pericardial sac around her heart, um, sac around her lungs. Um, it, was, it was just everywhere. And uh, at that point, there's, you know, it was make her as comfortable as possible, get her home, and, uh, you know. So she was with you at home? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're 17 and you lose your mom, and obviously you're very, very depressed. And what, what happens from there? Um, for me, the depression more came in, in guilt, I feel like, um, because, like, you know, I was 16 when she came home on hospice, and, you know, 16-year-olds aren't the nicest to their parents. And uh, for me, that was, you know, after she had passed, to then look back and see on how I had treated her. But now I know as a 32-year-old adult, um, you know, I was just being, I was being a kid. Um, But I struggled with that a lot. Just like I should have, there are so many could have, would have, should haves that, um, you know, that just came into play. Um, But uh, though the biggest guilt factor for me was, I knew that she was going to die the day that she died. Um, and I was, I did gymnastics and I had practice after school. And I knew, you know, I told my coach at the beginning of practice that I had to leave early because I had to be home. And I just learned this new skill on bars that I had been working months for, um, like some release move. And I finally caught the bar. And I got so excited that I stayed the full practice. And I'm, when I got home, um, I missed being with her when she passed uh, by 20 minutes. So for me, I immediately took that as she was selfless enough to bring me into this world, and I was too selfish to be there when she left this world. That's a pretty heavy burden yeah. to yeah. carry. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're in a place at all where you can kind of let go of that? Or do you feel like like you said earlier, this comes in waves. I think that's part of the depression is I know that I should let it go. I know that there's no reason, you know, she would have wanted me to let it go. But that that's the disease is I, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say hone in on those, but it's, you know, I, I can't, there's a part of me that can't let it go. It doesn't, you know, bother me nearly as severely as it did in the past um but it's it's still i have very few regrets in life and one of my regrets is not being there when uh you know to hold her hand when she when she passed yeah and yet you know there's part of me that goes but you were just being a kid Mm -hmm. you were just you were somewhere you had just accomplished this thing Mm -hmm. which is kind of wonderful (laughs) yeah and you were allowing yourself to do something that you loved, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure she supported. Yeah, it's, and I think that that too is, is part of the depression is, you know, I, I felt like I didn't deserve that happiness. That happiness was something to be earned and I hadn't earned it, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't when you think about it. It's absolutely backwards, Mm -hmm. right? But I understand this from my own depression. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's only now that I think when we're taught differently Mm -hmm. 
and we change our thinking that you can see that and, and think that's backwards mm-hmm. right yeah uh, but in that moment you just get so caught up in it it becomes all consuming and that guilt and anger um it's basically it spiraled it it manifested into um you know kind of self-loathing it just spiraled into full-on suicidal depression and uh but you know for me being a senior in high school um you know you don't want I didn't want my peers to look at me differently to you know just to yeah I just didn't want them to look at me differently because of in reference to losing your mom or in reference to this depression? Or? Just, um, I, all growing up, I was always the loud, funny kid and, you know, the, just the loudest one in the room. And um, I used that kind of to my benefit, not benefit, but at the time it felt like to my benefit um, to hide how much pain I was actually in. Um, so it's, you know, it's funny, my senior year of high school, I was voted class clown and I had two failed suicide attempts so so talk to me about talk to me about those talk to me about how long it took you and what ended up happening where were you at in your head I mean obviously yes we can say you were depressed Mm -hmm. and you felt super guilty what what happened when I had made those two failed suicide attempts it wasn't even I wasn't thinking about the guilt I wasn't thinking about even my mom, really. Um, It was just, I wanted everything to stop. I just, I wanted everything, everything that I was feeling to go away. I mean, I, I suffered insomnia. um, I had zero energy. I just, every day was worse than the next. And when every day becomes worse than the next, you don't, you don't look forward to anything. You just want it to be over. And I just wanted it to be over, so. Were you hiding the fact that you had zero energy and that you, did people around you know you were depressed? Yes. Um, okay. Yes, they, they did. Um, I, had, I had a couple teachers that they, they looked after me a little bit more. Um, and before my mother passed, um, she had requested that I speak to a counselor about her terminal uh, diagnosis. And we sat in silence for probably, I don't know how long the session was, but probably about 30 minutes where he said, you know, this is your time to talk. And I said, I don't want to talk. He said, okay, then we'll sit in silence. And we sat in silence the whole time. And I didn't say a word. I just, I bottled everything up. And more so, I was very proud. Um, I just, I was the rock for my family at this time. Um, I was seen as the strong one by everybody um and it couldn't have been farther from the truth yeah because you're saying to me that your mom died when you were 17 and the very and that that next year you were voted class clown clearly Mm -hmm. you were pretending and going through the motions even though at the same time there was this ridiculously oppressive level of depression Mm -hmm. so you've got these two sides of you Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah. It was like, not necessarily Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but two polar opposites, Um, you know, where I would, in front of people, I was happy, funny Nora that was always joking. And then um, what people didn't see in high school was that in between every class, I would go into the bathroom and just sob uncontrollably. 
and then clean myself up and go to the next class, be happy, happy, happy. You know, an hour passes and I would, you know, just go back, sob, get it out. And I did that for pretty much the entire year. And, you know, there's only so much of that that, you know, you can take before you, it wears you down. So. so you hit this point where you not just contemplate, but you actually try to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who knew at the time? Nobody knew. Um, I was embarrassed after both times failed. Um, and I, I was so nervous about telling anyone because one, I didn't want people to look at me differently. I didn't want them to then feel like they're walking on eggshells around me, that they have to censor themselves um, because they don't want me to have another attempt or anything like that. Um, and so I, nobody, nobody knew about it. The first person that I told was my counselor, probably 12, 12 years later. Yeah. So you hid that for 12 years? About that, yeah. <laughs> Give or take a year, so. Oh, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a really long time I'm, I'm, to hold something that big. I'm really good at bottling things up. Yeah. Kind of like like expert level. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't work no. long term. No, definitely not in the long term. Um, you know, I'd, I didn't feel that level of depression again um, until, actually, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, So I got through that my senior year. Um, I ended up working on myself through, you know, just knowing that I was, or I felt like I was the only person who could fix my situation. So I'm like, all right. Because you weren't even going to tell anybody. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, I can, every day can be worse than the next, or I can actively do what I can to get myself out of this. And just through, at the time, I mean, I didn't want to go out, I didn't want to see anybody, but I knew that those distractions would take my mind off of how unhappy I was and how just miserable I was, really. So um, so I was able to get over that, that hump of depression. And, you know, it comes in waves, um, but I did, I'd never experienced it that deeply again until I was going through my divorce. In, uh, in my late 20s. And it was um, during that time that it, it, uh, it was worse than I even remember it when I was in high school. Um, so it was, yeah, so it, it, it reared its ugly head. So <laughs> it came back again. It did. And talk to me about what happened. You described that story for me a little bit. Talk mm-hmm. to, set the stage and tell me the story sort of when it came back, mm-hmm. what did it look like and what happened? Yeah. I knew when I was married that the depression was coming back, but I guess I took the stance if I don't acknowledge it, then I can get away from it, and that is not the case <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so my towards the end of my marriage, um, it came back in full swing, um, there was, I actually remember the day, it was uh, June 23rd. What, what year was that? 2012? 2012. 2012. Yeah, so when things started to get very rough in, um, in, at the end of my marriage, I wasn't myself. I mean, I was, I was depressed and that it wasn't on anybody else. Like, it wasn't because my marriage was failing or anything like that. It was, it was just the disease. You know, unfortunately, it it also 
caused the demise of my marriage. Um, you said, okay, it, it came back. Mm-hmm. And you talked about, you, okay, so you knew that this wasn't about him. It was just about the disease. Yeah. And it, it came to, you said it came to a head, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So tell me about that. What yeah. happened? My depression, I could feel it slowly getting stronger and um towards the end of my marriage then I just I just spiraled it the depression took over in such a strong wave I could feel it building and building and then it got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about killing myself um where I actually spent two days I locked myself in my home and uh, I wrote goodbye notes to everybody that I loved um, I wrote out detailed explanation of how to run my business in my absence, um, you know, who to contact, um, and this and that. And then, um, I had a wedding to shoot actually that weekend. Um, I, cause I, I couldn't have done it before the wedding because I would never leave a couple in a lurch like that. Even when I was that depressed, um, you know, I wouldn't want my demise to negatively impact my clients. So I made sure that, that they were covered that day. And then um, after that wedding, uh, my ex-husband and I, we were going to get together and just kind of talk things out. And that was when I, I had with me the box of goodbye notes and a bottle of pills and, um, you know, a couple of other items. I had planned that, uh, you know, I didn't expect our meeting to go very well. And I was just letting him get off his chest what he needed to do. And then I was going to uh, kill myself afterwards. And um, that entire day, even though all I could think about was killing myself, um, there was a little tiny voice in the back of my head that said, you won't feel this way forever. My mother loved Luna Maz. Uh, she talked about him all the time to me, and I had never seen one before. And that morning, there was a big Luna Moth on the door uh, as I was leaving to go to this wedding. And I'd never seen one before. So I, I broke down when I saw it. I'm like, that's, I know that that's my mom saying, don't do it. You know, to have an outward sign like that, that filled me with a little bit of hope, I guess. Even as, as far gone as I felt, I still, you know, to get a little sign like that, it uh, did, did something. Now you're covered in the most beautiful tattoos <laughs> I've ever seen. Now I have I have a few different Luna moths there, yeah. yeah. That little voice saying, you know, you won't feel this way forever. Um, so you have this conversation with him, and you, do you physically hand him the box? Do I do. do I, I break down, and I, I just, I hand it to him, and um, I had been writing in a journal. My counselor had told me that I should write, and uh, in those few days I kind of went off like a crazy person and I filled I mean I, I just filled this journal with everything that I was thinking all every regret I ever had every everything that I was feeling and I I handed that to him too and I just I let him read it and that was when he threw me a rope basically and uh, helped me get back on my feet that next day we um, I got on a more regular schedule with my my counselor and therapist uh, I got put on antidepressants and um, I actually I had a very 
very good network of uh, people to help me through the next phase. I want to talk to you a little bit about that because one of the things that I always ask people is, was there a moment when you look back that you realize something changed you at your core and what you talked about was fascinating to me. Do you remember what, what you did said? I say? <laughs> um, you talk about asking for help. Oh yeah. And what happened? So tell me about that experience for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all growing up, I never, I never asked for help. Um, you know, I'm a very stubborn person. I'm, I'm too proud for my own good. Um, and I just, honestly, I never wanted to bother people. I felt like I was always a bother to ask for help. So honestly, when I asked for it, I, I didn't think I was going to get it. I thought that I was going to be met with hostility and anger and, you know, fingers being pointed. And that couldn't be farther from the truth, you know, to actually get the help that I needed to grow and, you know, keep going. Um, that was unexpected. And with that, it made me realize like, oh, well, this is easier than I thought it was. You know, there's there's no need for me to feel so incredibly depressed all the time. There are avenues for me to get the help that I need. And it's not, you know, I'm not putting anyone out. It's, they're, they're there for that, you know? <laughs> that's kind of their job. I don't know if you knew it, like a therapist, that's, they get paid for that shit. Who knew? <laughs> it's like, they want my money. They, they want that. Like, that's, that's a decent paycheck. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I think, too, you had it in your head. I mean, all along, the story is that you're alone. Mm-hmm. So for you to ask for help and feel surprised by people wanting to help you, I think obviously it made you realize you didn't have to be alone. Right. Not only did you not have to be depressed, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to be alone. Exactly. And um, I mean, that was that was a big turning point for me, you know, and I grew up doing holistic medicine, and um, so a pharmaceutical like that, I just, I didn't want to take it, but at that point, I'm like, I, I need this. Like, I will do everything that I can to not feel like this anymore. I think there's, I know, I've talked to many people. Um, I was one of them. I avoided it for years, mm-hmm. didn't want to be on anything. I'm not now, mm-hmm. but I was for a number of years, and I realized that's what I needed at the time. Yep. And now my life is in a totally different place. I haven't been on anything for like 15 years. But there was a 10-year period where mm-hmm. that's what I needed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that it's really important for people to realize that that's okay. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, that was a big way of changing, like, changing my thought process. What do you feel like you needed that you didn't have? Um, I had zero self-confidence. I hated myself. You know, I just, I didn't have any love or care for myself at all. Um, so getting the help through counselors and, you know, through my doctors and everything like that definitely helped me change my way of thinking. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm, I'm not such a bad person after all. Who knew? <laughs> well, it's, and it's funny. I have known you, I mean, we're not like super close friends, mm-hmm. but I've known you and worked with you for years. Mm-hmm. And obviously I had no clue idea about this story yeah. and I find you to be confident and happy and all these things and mm-hmm. I feel like I'd, I'd even met you before when you were with your ex-husband yes and it's so interesting I think this is another reason that I do this pro- 
project is because so many of the women that I've talked to, um, you would never know this. Mm-hmm. Had I just met you, I would never have known any of these things about you. And you do. You see, you seemed really confident and really um, present in your body and all these things that I feel like we can fake these things, mm-hmm. right? We can do it because we know we're supposed to have it, but we don't actually feel that way. Mm-hmm. And it takes a big change to really feel it genuinely. Yeah. It takes work. It, it took a lot of work, you know, and I'm, I like to think I'm still a work in progress, you know. For me, I was also hyper-focused on what other people's perceptions of me was. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted people to look at me and, and, and think, oh, like, she's so happy, she's so funny, you know, she's, she's just on top of the world, and that's positive that's great that's how you get friends and this and that and you know it was it was just a mask it was it was the mask that I I always wore and I don't want to say that I'm not funny and happy now it's just now it's genuine and it doesn't have to be to the exclusion of the other side of you exactly I think there's this belief system that that we have commonly that if we're that person then we never break down or we never get upset or we're never depressed we are that it's only one way or the other, which I think is crazy and it's a pretty extremist view, but I feel like I grew up feeling the same way. Like, I didn't want people to know my secrets, mm-hmm. right? I want to be perceived as having my shit together. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And being awesome and happy all the time. Yeah. So yeah, God forbid we tell those other pieces. Mm-hmm. Was there anything, I mean, you talked about this story. Um, was there anything that someone could have done for you to make it easier at that time? Um, honestly, like with the, in high school and even the depression that I had before it, it got to the point of suicide, um, in my late twenties, I don't think that there was because I was too proud and set in my ways that no matter what anybody would tell me, I would. I knew better. Nope, I don't need that. I can do it on my own. I I wouldn't take any advice. Um, so I don't. I think I had to get to that place myself before I would even listen to anybody. What did you learn from going through this? Like when you look back, what do you feel like your lessons are for yourself? That it's okay to love yourself. <laughs> you know that um, you're not alone. No matter how alone you feel there is going to be someone that is there for you that whether they've gone through the same thing or something similar or just you know your friends and family through this whole process i basically learned how to love myself and that i am worth fighting for everybody is worth fighting for it's there's no need for anybody to feel like they're alone in this because they're not if you think that you're the only person going through it, there are probably, you know, millions of other people that are feeling the exact same way. So just by reaching out and asking for help, what do you got to lose? Do you feel like you've hit a point where you, it sounds like you've worked on it, but are you able to forgive yourself for not being there when your mom passed? Um, yeah. I mean, like, I... I have. It's just, I feel like I've forgiven myself for not being there, but I still have that regret. But it isn't something that eats me 
alive anymore. It isn't something that I lose sleep over anymore. It's just, you know, that's, that's a small regret that I have in life, but it's not anything that I dwell on anymore. It took a long time to get past that. What do you think your mom would say to you? Have you ever thought about that? I, I have. I, w- I would like to think she thinks I'm a, I'm a cool chick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I make her proud. That's a tough question. <laughs> it is a tough question. Yeah. But I think it's super important because what I realize myself from being a mom is that sometimes, and it's very hard for me, but now that I have a daughter, mm-hmm. I think of the things that I say to her. Yep. Or how I would treat her. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, right, yeah, I should do that for myself. Because <laughs> that's what she would do for me. Oh, yeah. Right? So you kind of reverse that. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's really shifted my thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, if you had to give advice to somebody else who's in your situation, I think we kind of talked about this already mm-hmm. a little bit, but... Don't be too proud, <laughs> you know? It's... There's no glory in suffering on your own it does get better you know you just have to put in the effort however big or small that effort is you just have to decide that you know yes you do deserve to be happy and have a fulfilling life and you're the only person that can make that change you're the only person who can take those next steps so why not what have you got to lose you know what do you do now for maintenance to keep you sort of on a level plane? I don't see her regularly anymore, um, but when I feel like I need somebody, I, I visit my counselor. I'm not on antidepressants anymore, but I will have no hesitation to go back on them if I feel like I need it. If I start feeling um, that depression build in me, um, one thing for me has been running Honestly, I, that is a great outlet for me. Um, when I feel things coming to a head, I just run and, I mean, I'll go a year without running and then book it seven miles, you know, like <laughs> uphill. Just it, it, it helps me release some of that energy. And when I'm running, I'm by myself. It's just me and my thoughts. Actually, the last time that I, I did have those really dark thoughts I just thought I'm going to run until I don't want to kill myself anymore (laughs) and of course the next day I went and I I had scheduled a a visit with my counselor and I you know we took other precautions and maintenance that way and I of course told my my boyfriend and you know I just I reached out to people that I I can trust and um, that that certainly helps having a good network of people to know when I feel it coming. Again, that that whole thought of you won't feel this way forever. I think that um, the key there is seeing the signs mm-hmm. now that you know them and you, you, say, you say, okay, I don't want to go down this road. I know that I feel this way. So what can I do to prevent it? Exactly. And to, to know my own body enough, basically, to know when I'm not okay and to then go to the people that will help me become okay again. One of the things that I think I want to say is a huge thank you. Because, holy shit. (laughs) Because coming out and saying, yeah, I was that girl that, you know, wanted to die, but Mm -hmm. wanted to not tell anybody ever. And now coming 
and saying, all right, I'm going to own this and share this. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a small thing for me. This is this is actually this is pretty pretty terrifying to um, to share this story because, um, you know, again, it's over the years I was so worried about people perceiving me one way, but who cares? This is who I am. This is my story. There are a million other stories out there just like this. So why? What's the point in hiding? The more you hide the thought, you know, talk about depression and suicide, the more taboo it becomes. And it's already so hush-hush, you can't, you can't mention it or anything like that. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. There, there are so many people that are going through the same exact thing that I have. Why not talk about it? Make it something that we don't have to feel ashamed of. Exactly. And there's no shame in your feelings. If you would like to check out the portraits I took of Nora and her gorgeous luna moth tattoos you can find them on my website jendeenphotography.com and click on the gardenia project tab to check out her blog post if you enjoyed the podcast i would love for you to share it with your friends and family i am actively looking for more women to be part of the project if you know somebody who had a life-changing experience of any kind i would love to hear from them you can send them to my website jendeenphotography.com and there's a page for the gardenia project with a form that you can fill out and it will email me directly. Again, a huge thanks to Keith Kenneth for the theme music for this project and more stories coming your way soon. Mm-hmm.